Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we have the privilege of sitting down with Adam Mesa, lead pastor of Abundant Living Family Church. Apart from pastoring in Southern California, Adam is a member of the Global Leadership Board for Pray.com. He has experience in marketing, and he's a reliable source as a millennial strategist for Christian organizations. Today, we'll discuss his leadership journey, young leaders, and being relevant in today's culture. So, here we go, and let's get started. We're back, everybody. It's the Avail podcast, where we talk about the art of leadership. I got my intro music going. Hey, everybody. My name is Virgil Sierra. I'm the lead pastor of Vertical Church, a.k.a. Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. We are one church, two languages, and I'm your host for these Avail podcast episodes that come out every Tuesday, every week. There's a new episode with another amazing leader. And today we have the pleasure, the honor, the privilege of sitting down with the one and the only Pastor Adam Mesa based in <laughs> California. We're going to talk a little bit more about him and his journey. Pastor Adam, we are so honored to have you on the Avail pod- podcast. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part. Uh, Avel is an incredible, incredible leadership movement and network. And so to even be uh, minutely connected to it through this podcast is an absolute honor. Thank you so much for letting me be part. Yeah. Yes, sir. We we love it. I hope you enjoyed my intro music. That's part of the part of the charm of Avail. It's a beauty. Yeah, yeah. I like it. <laughs> hey, I want I want to help our Avail audience just lean in a little bit and get to know you. Before we jump into this talk, I want to talk leadership. I want to talk culture. I want to talk some of the things that God's put on your heart and you've been involved with. But before that, just share a little bit about you, who you are, your journey, where you're from, what you're doing, so everybody can lean in and get to know Adam Mesa. Yeah, I mean, I'll make it as brief as possible, but also be able to give uh, as much understanding for people as possible. Um, I'm I'm in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Yes, it's a real city. Yes, it was on next Friday. And Ice Cube (laughs) does not live or Chris Tucker does not live in our city or anything like that. But um, I'm an hour outside of Los Angeles. And um, I'm part of a legacy ministry, uh, one that my dad started in 1994. And about almost 29 years later, here we are still in the city of Rancho Cucamonga. We have multiple campuses. Over the years, we grew from uh, 12 to 12,000. And now my role in our church is I'm our lead pastor. My dad's our founding pastor. Uh, Basically, the best way to put it is he's the grandfather. I'm the father now. And uh, we co-lead in in the church right now. We're on the tail end of uh, really a long transition we started six years ago. And I was in my mid-20s at that time, but my dad felt really confident that it was time to start a transition with me. I'm the youngest of uh, two brothers, uh, or three brothers, really, and the two older ones. So I have one brother that's five years older than me, one that's two years older than me. They serve in ministry with me as well as pastors. And so we get to do it together uh, as a family. And we have an incredible relationship together. Um, it is always difficult to approve your older brother's vacation times and <laughs> everything else. Uh, that was probably one of some of the biggest uh, challenges uh, that, that you kind of uh, face as you become a, a new leader, especially if you're <laughs> if you have family involved in it as well. But it's it's been a blessing for us. It's been incredible. And, and uh, so also in, in within my history, I ran a pretty successful marketing company. And then now I work with tech companies. I advise for technology companies and I invest in technology companies. And uh, our church also uh, launches uh, innovative tech uh, 
projects and products in the church as well. And so that's something we've done over the years now as well. Uh, we believe that leaders in the kingdom uh, and business leaders in the marketplace should work together. And over the years, I would hear so many pastors uh, tell a business leader, hey, I'll pray for your business, uh, but only when it becomes successful, then we'll talk. And we kind of wanted to take the opposite approach, which was if God's giving you a vision and a dream and we hear it and we really believe in what you're doing, we want to ask as a church, how can we partner with it? And how can we partner with you to make sure you're a success so that you can in turn um, invest in the kingdom and belong in the kingdom? And, um, you know, many times if you're a church leader, you want your people just to serve in your church. But sometimes the best thing you could do for a marketplace leader is to send them outside the church. And, and you believe in them and you connect with them in deeper ways. And so um, we're just we're just we're just passionate about people and we're passionate about the gospel and we're passionate about um, equipping people to be the best versions of themselves, whether it be leadership, whether it be in their faith or whether it be in uh, in their homes. So uh, with me, I'm married. I have a wife. We've been married for almost eight years and my wife is a retired professional soccer player. And so uh, she went to the University of Florida, five five time national champion with the Gators. She's an incredible, wow. talented uh, athlete. And then uh, and then we have two boys together, who she has every plan for them to be athletes as well. Um, and uh, we have Matthias, who's four, and Thomas, who's almost two. And uh, that's my greatest blessing is being being a husband and a father. So that's what drives me every single day. Uh, is to wake up and uh, be the best father and husband that I could be. So that's just a little bit about me. And obviously we'll talk more about it as well. Yes, sir. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. I think uh, um, as I'm listening to you, there's a lot of things that kind of ring a bell with me and strike a chord because some things in common, including being pastor's kids, including yep. you know that journey. I went through the journey about about seven years ago of transitioning and taking uh, that leadership baton. Uh, so I love it. I love it. I, let's talk leadership and culture. Yeah. Um, so we, I just said it, you're a pastor's kid. Now you're pastoring. You're on the tail end of a, you know, of a multi-year kind of transition succession plan. Uh, yeah. But it seems like your leadership journey didn't just start, you know, a couple of years ago. Can you talk <laughs> yeah, to us yeah. about how your leadership journey started? Yeah. I mean, you know, Mainly my faith with the Lord. I started, I got, I got saved when I was 17, but I had always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So my dad at a very young age saw that in me. So my, my first business that I had was um, bagging up uh, Sour Patch Kids and putting them in Ziploc bags and selling them uh, for a dollar a baggie at school. And then uh, one of my other first entrepreneurial endeavors was I had a teacher in high school who he had a refrigerator and freezer and he never used his freezer. So I told him, hey, let me rent out your freezer um, to do something with it. And he wrote, a, he wrote a fake contract and he said, Adam agrees to pay me $20 a month uh, to rent my freezer. And I filled it with uh, Otter Pops and froze them. And I sold, <laughs> uh, I sold one, one Otter Pop and you get, like a you get like 100 Otter Pops in a box. So I sold, uh, I sold, uh, I sold one Otter Pop for 25 cents or uh, two for 50 cents or four for a dollar. And uh, in my first month, I'm over $400. And uh, he tried to come back at me and he tried to renegotiate for the rent of the freezer space. And I pulled out the fake contract that he made 
And uh, I finished out my senior year with a few thousand dollars selling Otter Pop. So, um, and then I started uh, paying guys to go and uh, go and deliver them, you know, to people who were texting me that that wanted them. So, that's really where my entrepreneurial spirit came from. But when I mm-hmm. when I got saved, um, I really I really fell in love with uh, with God and the Word of God. So I went and studied the Bible and studied theology and apologetics. But during that time, I um I also ran a marketing company because. Uh, that's what I was good at. I was good at the entrepreneur side and I had to pay for my living expenses in college. And so I used what I was natural at. So I was good at video. I was good at graphic design. I was good at um, helping a business Mm -hmm. market themselves. I've always been really good at telling the story of a business and being able to, being able to reach people that whatever message a business is trying to, to do. I really, really had a gifting for being able to translate their message to people. Uh, which ultimately, I guess, makes you uh, also a good pastor in the long run uh, is being able to take a message and translate it. But at the time, you know, I, I didn't know that I was going to be I didn't know that I was going to be a pastor or even at my dad's church uh, at that time, you know, period. But over the years I did, I came back and I said, hey, I, all I want to do is serve my dad. I want I want our church to succeed. I want the church that I grew up in to succeed. And so then mm. from that time, I, I became a youth pastor uh, young adults, pastor, creative pastor, wh- whatever position there is in the church. At some point, I led that, and um, and as the church began, as we began to kind of hit our 25 years, we really started hitting a wall uh, as a church. And they often say, like at that 25 year mark, um, that's really where you start to probably either decline or really start to see um, people get older. And during that time, me and my wife just began to lead a, a Sunday night service that in our church blew up. You know, we, we, we raised over 250 volunteers for that Sunday night service. Mm. Um, we had everything volunteer from the band to the audio people. And when you're at a church, our size, there's volunteers, but there's always staff people above those volunteers. Well, we led that whole thing with volunteers only from the musicians to the audio, to the video people. And, um, it really shifted a trajectory in our church. And so, it was at that time that my dad um, really felt like God had put on his heart that that I would be the person that would lead the church when he retired. And he, and at that time, we had a we had a, a long discussion of what that could look like and what that could plan out to be. And over the past six years, it's just been a, a joy developing that culture together and uh, and release, re- releasing and reaching the next generation. I mean, that's what was big for my dad was he didn't want to just reach his generation. He wanted to reach the next generation. And he felt the only way he could do that is by is by partnering with his son and his sons uh, to do that, to lead with him hand in hand. And uh, and that's kind of been that short journey of, of where we've been to where we're at today. Yeah, that's cool. I love it. I love hearing stories of uh, of leadership connecting with just skills and abilities and talents that the Lord's given you. But I also love the the reality when it comes when, when it's possible, right, that family can lead together, you know, that that yeah. leadership baton can be passed on. I think that's a, a huge blessing and, and a great legacy. Um, so, so talking about this, I mean, you, you're, you're a young leader, you're a young pastor. And even in your youth, you began to develop your entrepreneurial skills and, yeah. and multiply those talents. Let's talk a little bit about young leaders, uh, millennials, you know, and leadership. Can you speak a little bit to what are the unique challenges of young leaders in, in, yeah. in this season and this time? Yeah, I mean, I I think some of the most, you, you know, some of the most unique challenges are, well, 
you had, you know, basically you had, you know, may maybe about seven to eight years ago, the, the big conversation was, was millennials. Well, you know, you know, the average millennial kind of nowadays starts at about 39 and goes to about 27. So that, mm -hmm. that's actually a pretty, they're, they're really in leadership now. I mean, they're leading, yeah. you know, the average things nowadays, whether it be in, in companies or in, definitely in tech, uh, the average leader is a millennial. Um, but mm. so really when we're leading and we're talking about seeing this new next generation coming out, we're, we're really seeing Gen Z starting uh, to unfold because m what millennials are is millennials have been able to be, especially as leaders, have been able to be translators for the mm -hmm. generations above them and also the generation below them. They're, they're the last, they're the last, um, they're the last generation that understands what it was to grow up and, and play outside, uh, right. to, to, to have fun, but also to have an Xbox or a GameCube in the house. So they're sure. the last generation where they, they empathize with the older generation and they also can empathize with the younger generation. But now you have this new generation of, of people that are about 26 and younger who basically has been raised in, you know, basically the chaos of what has happened, you know, in America, you know, whether it be from mm -hmm. the average 25 year old uh, was born, you know, at a young age around 9-11. Then you go from 9-11 and you go to 2008 and the financial crisis, then you go to 2008 and <laughs> the financial crisis, and then you deal with the, the tech boom with social media. I mean, these, these individuals who are, who are in their mid twenties and younger, um, number one, they have been involved in chaos, but also they have learned to value things very different. So they're looking at how does something give them peace or happiness? Whereas mm -hmm. maybe maybe uh, a millennial who's a little older, even older than that, has looked at a rewards-based system. Hey, if I just work hard enough, I want to move up the ladder. I want to I want to get paid more. But 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 for someone that's younger nowadays, their first question isn't necessarily you know I, I I've been uh, I've been in leadership now in terms of hiring and all these things for over ten years. I've seen the space change. How in interviews it would go for. Hey, what is my what's my insurance package? What what what's my <laughs> what's my pay package look like? Where nowadays when you interview someone, the first question that they often ask is, what does vacation time look like? What does mm -hmm. PTO time look like? Uh what does uh what what does that reward-based system look like and in terms of giving me as much freedom as possible? It, it's a totally different uh, threshold and game. And so I think as a, as a leader today in 2022, you have to pivot the way that you lead, um, especially this next generation. And you yeah. have to pivot the conversations that are being had. And so like my younger people, um, they, you know, in the past, you really had a big honor for titles and, you know, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and this person's this and, this, and, you know, you know, someone had, their name and then they had seven degrees following it and and that really meant legitimacy but if you're when you're like me i get shocked when i when i see like because we have employees that are 19 20 21 and and they don't care who you are they don't care what you've done because <laughs> they they're so jaded from social media that everyone is impressive on social media everyone is a, so in real life it just you know you know so they they value things very and to motivate them is very, very different. In the past, you could motivate someone to say, hey, um, I need you to do this because I said so, and because sure. I'm your boss, I this or that. Where nowadays you actually have to, 
you have to include them more in the conversation. You have to include this next generation mm -hmm. more into the vision. And you also have to let them have a say. So you have to move from, I always call it from the dictatorship to the democracy. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I always grew up with those pastors that were a dictator. Hey, you do this because I said so. And a mm -hmm. lot of those leaders aren't thriving today in 2022. If you want to be a great leader today <clears throat> in terms of leading the next generation, they have to feel like there is a democracy involved uh, or a yeah. democratic representation involved so that they have a voice and they could speak to stuff. Now, at the end of the day, it's still your final say. But as long as they feel like they got their piece in there, they're happy. And that, and I've had to change that really over the years and, and not, and not just do it in a way that like, uh, oh man, I can't, I, I got to go meet with them and I got to go let them have a say. Actually, I've had to have a viewpoint to celebrate those uniquenesses and those differences uh, to hopefully be able to reach more people by allowing their voice to speak into it. Yeah, that's good. I, I think, I think it, what you're saying really sheds a lot of light. That's important to the fact that, you can't just, if, if you've been leading for a while, for decades, you can't yeah. just continue leading the same way you led before and expect to see the same results because each generation uh, presents with different uh, challenges and different strengths, you know, yeah. different, different, it varies. Talking, talking to the culture, you know, you're, you're in the, in the Southern California, you know, region. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before as we were prepping for this a little bit about yeah. how you, you specifically, you and your church, you guys really love, uh, challenging, uh, uh, cities and environments to plant churches in, so to speak. Um, what are some of the challenges just culturally, you know, that you faced in the Southern California region and that maybe you picked up on as you've been around in the States, just yeah. some of the cultural challenges with, with today, the today's generation, today's culture, society, and all yeah. the things that play a factor in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, here's some of the biggest things that I think is, you know, we have progressively become very tribalistic and social media really helps us with that. You know, what social media really helps you do is social media helps you only see the things that you want to see. And if you don't want to see something, it completely, the algorithms completely ignore it. They push it aside. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you grew up in the 90s, 2000s, or even beyond, you remember that your source of information and dialogue came from the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, and you're reading the whole thing. So you're seeing all sides of the spectrum. You're seeing yeah. all sides of the violence. You're seeing all sides of uh, democracy. So you're, you're reading about Republicans. You're reading about Democrats. And, and you're seeing things in a very, uh, a very holistic approach. And then you're mm -hmm. making your judgment call based off of your, how you were raised or whatever. But nowadays <clears throat> you're basically, you, you basically more and more push into whatever I like and whatever makes me interested or feel good. That is the only stuff that I see. Mm. And, and even, you know, even with Facebook and other stuff, you just find yourself unfriending people all the time. Oh, I didn't know that person was like that. Let me unfriend them. <laughs> Let me unfriend. So you're, you're increasingly narrowing uh, your circle or your approach, which also means that you have less grace with people, less patience with people. Right. And so, you know, definitely for us in our context of Southern California, we're really seeing people um, become more and more tribal in their thinking. And they're yeah. also really pushing churches and pastors, you know, to, to really come out and become part of a tribal thing. And for us with our church, we've just consistently told our church, hey, we believe in reaching people for the gospel, 
Uh, we believe that we're here to teach the Bible. So if something's in the Bible, we will speak on it. If it's not, mm -hmm. uh, independently, all of us have our own opinions on things. But unfortunately, you will not have us come out and, and feed into this tribalism because people right. will come and ask us some of the most um, remedial things to decide whether they're going to like us or not. In the past, that didn't happen, you know, I, and I was just talking about this with a group of pastors. I just actually uh, today came from it. We were with uh, with 20 pastors under 45 who lead their own churches in Southern California. And uh, and we were just talking about how, you know, back in the day, someone would be part of a church or even a business. And there would be things that you disagree with that you would still stay connected because you'd say, oh, I it's fine. I, I you know, I'm not going to agree with everything. Where in today in 2022, because people have social media and they're listening to this thing or that thing, they actually <laughs> they're actually choosing places that they believe want them to be perfect. So they're going to join a job that they believe ought to be perfect. They're going to join a church right. that they believe ought to be perfect. You can't you have to agree with me 100 percent on everything. Why? Because every time I go on my phone, everyone agrees with me. So surely in real life, that's how it ought to be. And, and yep. it's not that case. So that difficulty with people is people understanding not everything in life is black and white. Not everything in life is, is a heaven or hell issue. And not everything in life should cause you to disconnect, you know? And so we're, we, we are seeing that all the time, whether our church makes a stance on something and someone says, oh, I'm not going to be part of your church because I don't like that. You guys <laughs> took a stand on that. And we just say, I'm sorry, we're, we're not always going to, we're not always going to be able to uh, fulfill whatever it is that you think that we kind of ought to do. So those are that's kind of just one of the biggest challenges, this idea yeah. that people join. And then the moment that tribe does, they don't agree with something in there, then they just try to go find a new one and a new one <clears throat> and a new one. And so as society, we're just putting so many walls around ourselves. And it, it's it, at the end of the day, it's drawing out our empathy. The, the idea of empathy means that I understand what you've gone through and mm -hmm. who you are, even though I have not experienced it, even though even though I personally don't understand it. I don't I don't know what it's like to grow up as a Latino in South Miami. I, I have no idea. But right. I can, but if you told me, hey, this is an issue I grew up in my community, I have enough empathy to believe you or at least empathize with you over what I saw on the news. Like, sure. that's just, you know. So, so that's really the cultural, you know, impacts that I'm seeing even amongst our business leaders is, uh, is this idea that people are very quick to cut off people and things yeah. more than ever. They have less patience uh, than ever. And so um, it, 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 ha it definitely has its challenges nowadays. Christian leaders around the world are taking advantage of their free annual subscription to the Avail Journal. After all, each one of us should be taking the next step in our leadership journey. When you sign up for a free annual subscription to the Avail Journal, you'll enjoy interviews, articles, resources, and much more. For more information and to get subscribed today, visit availjournal.com. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think it's important to talk about these things as leaders and pastors and, and community leaders and people of influence, because the truth is, if we're not on top of it, if we're not on top of these things. We slowly but surely become less connected. We become disconnected. Yeah. And, 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 and I think it's it's I think that's one of the questions. And let's let me talk about that relevance. Right. I think that uh, some people nowadays would sincerely say the church is irrelevant to me. 
Some mm-hmm. people would say the church and Christianity is irrelevant to to us or to our city or to or to 2022, right? Or, or in, uh, and soon to be 23. Um, so how would you define this term relevance? It's, it's used in different ways, but as a church, is it a good term relevance? Do we want to be relevant? Yeah, yeah, and, if so, right. you know, and, and if so, is it, you know, why is that important and how do we do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, to me, it could be a matter of semantics, but, but I think my emphasis and what I emphasize is that with our team is that, I, is that I, we want to endeavor to be transformational and not necessarily relevant. Um, because mm-hmm. sometimes relevancy, number one, relevancy is like a dog chasing its tail. Like you're just going to continually run in circles because relevancy always changes. You know, fashion always changes. Music always changes. And, and so as a church, if we're always chasing just to be relevant in the terms of, oh, we just want to be with what's hip in culture. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that we don't strive for. But if we use the term, we want to be relevant in the sense that relevancy equals transformation. We want to yeah. be able to contextualize our messaging in a specifically, if we're talking in America, we want to be able to contextualize our messaging in America. So that's what I've always said. Like when I've done some pastor things and I've talked about, um, you know, cause I'm biblically trained and that my emphasis is teaching the Bible, but I also have this passion for, for marketing and messaging. So sometimes <laughs> I get from leaders, Hey, that, I mean, that's, that's the flesh to, to market Jesus, you know, like that, <laughs> you know, that's the flesh. You can't do that. And all these things like that. And, and, and one of my responses is always, if you went to an indigenous place in South America, or if you went to a tribe in Africa, one of your first questions you would say is, is if you especially went through missionary training, how do I contextualize the message of the gospel yep. so that this this tribe understands what I'm communicating? Well, that's a fancy word. Contextualization is a fancy word for marketing. I mean, it's basically what marketing is. <laughs> if you work yeah. for McDonald's and you use the word marketing, all you're doing is saying, how do we take our vision and contextualize it to the American consumer. And you know, if you go to McDonald's in Japan and a McDonald's in America, the menus are completely different because they're Mm -hmm. different people. And so when I look at this idea of relevancy, but really transformation, especially in the American context, it's how do I understand where culture and society is in the way that they think and in the way that they approach God. And so what I want to do at that point is now I want to become relevant or transformational to be able yeah. to take the messaging and translate it in people's language and in people's time. So like right now in our church, we have a long form podcast that we do. Our long form podcast right now gets more listeners than our sermons do from Sundays because mm. the, the next generation is list. They want to listen to leaders. They want to understand why a leader thinks the way they think. And they also want to understand right. from a pastor how they came to their conclusions when they're teaching the Bible or when they're teaching their faith. So our long form two hour podcast has way more success <laughs> than our 30 minute sermons that, and the 30 minute sermons are important to teach the body of Christ, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily teach you how to think in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And for my degree background, apologetics, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you bring, how do you bring the message of Jesus in a practical way that people understand? So that's what our, our podcast really endeavor. And so as a, as a leadership team, we pivoted because we've seen that the next generation is not really just looking for black and white answers because they can go on Google and they can find that at any time. 
at yeah. any time. So it's not a matter of just telling people, hey, here's the answer to this question. They have that at their fingertips. What you have to do is you actually have to show people, here's how we got to this conclusion. Yeah. Here was the process of thinking. And so we've really lost the relevancy to me also means that we're re-engaging re people with the critical thinking skills, how to process ideas, mm -hmm. how to process thinking. Uh, of us, you know, if anyone's listening and they've gone to like a leadership conference before, you've taken someone else's idea and sometimes you've used it and you've wondered why it didn't work the way that that guy at the conference said it worked for them. Well, the problem was, is it wasn't relevant to your space. That's the answer yeah. is it was a good idea for that person, but it's not a good idea for you. Now, now you've got to actually take the idea and you got to massage it and process it and say, how does this apply into my community or into my business or into my context? That to me is what relevancy is, is how do I contextualize the thinking of today and be able to take my message, which for us is as pastors is the is the church and the word of God. How do we get that to people so that they understand it in a world that thinks very differently than the Bible nowadays, you know? Yeah, that's good. Uh, two words came to mind as you were talking. One, uh, I was recently in Mexico with over 1,500 pastors uh, in a conference, just encouraging, equipping, and empowering them. Uh, and also in our, in, um, in Argentina. Um, and what, what, what I thought was interesting uh, is what the term we started to use is, hey, here's some, here's what we do over here in, in the U.S., Mammy. Yeah. Here's here it is, but you guys need to tropicalize it. That's the term yeah. we used. <laughs> you need to tropicalize it. I think that's another way yeah. of contextualizing. Tropicalizalo, yeah. right? Tropicalize our growth track, but make it work for your for your culture, right? Tropicalize, oh, yeah. you know this this that we're doing, right? Does and that make sense? Oh yeah, and that's what happened to me early on. So when I was early on in ministry, I would go to a lot of conferences, and my church. My church is minority. We're majority Hispanic, majority African American. So mm -hmm. I would I would go to a lot of like church growth conferences, which were uh, mainly um, Protestant white evangelical yeah. places. And so they would talk mm -hmm. about, like you just said, they would talk about growth track or small groups. And hey, you need to invite people. You know, have people in your church invite people in their home and all these things like that. Well, if you don't mm -hmm. know, if you don't know in the African American community they do not invite strangers into their house. So mm -hmm. if you ever get invited into an African-American person's home, it means that for the most part, there are some you know outliers, but for the most part, if you get invited to an African-American's home, it means you have, you have now surpassed a friend and you become family. So that's mm -hmm. why a lot in the African-American community, a lot of African-Americans will have what they call play cousins and, and it's friends, cousins that you've grown up with that aren't blood, but they they passed the threshold of friend and now our family. Mm. Whereas if you meet a Latino, they can actually meet someone at the liquor store gra grabbing a 12 pack of uh, Coronas and that and they can invite a person to the their backyard cookout that same day. You know, so yeah. so every culture has its different dynamics. So when I would kind of sit at a conference and and many times it felt like they were saying, "Hey, this is the solution to your problem." And I would go and and do it and I'd be like, no one in my church is inviting anyone to their house. What's going on? And then you start thinking about it. Well, that's because that doesn't freely happen in this community because of many years of many things that involved why there's that, yeah. that level of privacy, right? So then we as a church had to come together and say, hey, the theory of home groups is good, but how do we 
do that in a way where our church will make sense of it in our community. And like mm -hmm. you said, tropicalize it so that we can take <laughs> the idea of what makes it great, but do it in <clears throat> our context and with our community. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. Tropicalize that, that came to mind. <laughs> the other one that came to mind as you were talking was um, relevant, not meaning cool, relevant meaning we're scratching where it's actually itching. And I think, and I think that's what you were kind of expressing is what we're, what we're saying and what we're teaching as a church. It actually matters. Yeah. Uh, in other words, we're not teaching people, you know, a deep study on the 12 horns of the apocalypse, yeah, but yeah. we're teaching people how to keep their marriage alive yeah. and how to get off of, you know, addictive behaviors, these yeah. things with the biblical principles and the knowledge. So I, I think, I think that I agree with you hundred percent. The relevance is not of a cool relevance. Yeah, it's yeah. a we we matter this matters yeah. because it's going to help you and you need it yeah and Man, i'll have my my, my young team members sometimes they'll say as they're coming new to church you know is is oh there's this new drake song we should take it and we should spin it and, and it will reach a lot of people and i'll say hey guys that is too cool and too relevant for me you know like to me i don't see how that's going to be transformational to anyone if you can if you can find a way to take that idea and make it transformational, I'm game, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. do the whole Kanye West <laughs> thing and have us all wear black and sing in a circle or whatever. Like, I'm not going to do it just because someone else is doing it. I want to do it right. because in our community, it'll really transform people's lives. Then I'm completely game for that, you know? Yeah, that's good. That's good, man. Honestly, I think we could be here for another hour talking about this stuff. This is good, and, and I think for pastors of all ages and leaders, this is good because some pastors are, are you know, they're in the generations a little bit older, and and they're you know they're they're need, they're needing to lean in and learn some of this. And then there's young younger leaders and younger pastors who are also who also have to lean in and understand not only where we're coming from but where we've been. This is all helpful. Yeah. I want to I want to make three little touches here as we as we kind of lean in towards the final stretch. One of them is your passion for Israel. The other one is uh, your connection with pray.com. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other one is, um, I guess, the initiative of business leadership and, and ministry, yeah. so to speak. So we don't yeah. have time to delve into, deep, yeah, yeah, into yeah. depth with all of them, but let's start with Israel. You have a passion for Israel. Can you talk to us about that? I'll, yeah, I'll glaze them over. Is, um, you know, I, I first visited Israel in, in, uh, in 2017. And since I've gone multiple times a year, every year, and there's a few aspects that I become passionate about is, um, number one, I, I truly believe that Israel still has a place in the scriptures. I truly yeah. believe that the Jewish people has a future uh, theologically and biblically. And, and I think there's a level of both American, but also Christian responsibility uh, to make sure that Israel maintains its sovereignty as a state. And that we as Christians also engage with the country as, a well, as well in terms of our biblical heritage. Uh, and mm -hmm. any Christian who goes to Israel and you're able to put your feet where David walked, where Abraham walked, where mm -hmm. our Lord Jesus walked, it will literally transform your life in terms of the way that the Bible comes alive. You know, yeah. if, uh, if, I knew, if I knew that not far, not far away was a place um, where, you know, my grandparents fell in love and they had such a sweet story behind it. I would, as a grandson, I would want to go see that place. It, it, their mm -hmm. story of their love would become more real to me if I saw the place where they fell in love. And so when I, when I read the Bible, when I started going to Israel, I mean, it just came to life to me. It made me a better leader, made me a better pastor, made me a better believer because I was able to see 
where God's plan really originated from and now has expanded amongst the globe. And so I just think every believer and every Christian should experience the land of Israel and engage with the land of Israel. And so uh, we work with an organization called Eagle Wings, Eagle's Wings, and, and they're just incredible. Bishop Robert Stearns and the work that they do in Israel and in America is just is beautiful and amongst many countries. And then our relationship, Pray.com, was Pray.com is the largest faith-based app today. Uh, they have millions and millions of active users a month. Um, they have incredible content that you can listen to, whether it help you with stress, whether it helps you uh, listen to the audio Bible come to live. And then also there are great podcasts and great audio books that you can listen to that really build up your faith. It's a place for mm. content. And our church over five years ago was the first church to ever launch the app. Our church was the wow. first 600 people on the app. Um, there's four founders that are incredible men of God who, who are passionate about seeing people's lives transformed and I'm on their goal, global leadership council. And so um, we've really been able to help, help speak into um, how to reach people, how to help people. And so I get messages all the time from people who find us on pray.com and, and say that they were in a depressive state. They were in a state of loneliness. They were in a state of divorce or whatever it may be. And the messages and the sermon audios and the Bible audio uh, radically changed their life. And so, um, you know, many places in tech will tell you audio content is the future. And uh, like we're doing here with this podcast, you know, people can listen to it while they shower, while they get ready, while they drive. And so really, and so that's where pray.com does really well is, is that faith-based audio content. And, uh, and then, uh, and then lastly is um, we, we working with Mike Kai out of, uh, out of Hawaii and, we're, we're working with an inspired leadership collective. So it's our goal, uh, our goal to as in many churches in America uh, to partner with churches to help them reach their marketplace business leaders. Uh, every single Sunday, we, we unconsciously tell our marketplace leaders that if you really want to live your fulfilled life in Christ, you have to serve on Sundays or a day in the church. And to me, that's been a huge miss because you have people who are in the marketplace who are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week to build a business that could potentially be used to pour into the kingdom or to be activated in the kingdom. And when they come to church every Sunday, we say, you're not living God's plan until you give up some of that and you come helping our kids ministry or whatever it may be. But we really want to say, reverse that and say, hey, no, you are exactly where God has called you. Just like Lydia in the Bible, who was a successful business person, she used her gifts and her talents for the Lord. We have Lydia's all throughout our churches in the body of Christ. And so the Inspire Collective Business Network is meant to help churches see that and then connect with their business community through events, through discipleship models, through encouragement models. And so um, we're partnering with them, we're building this out. And so we're launching ours at the top of 2023. And so we're excited to dig deeper with our business leaders in our church. We've always had stuff, but it was always hit and miss here and there. Now we Mm -hmm. actually wanna make it a true vision of our church to say, hey, if you're a marketplace leader, like these incredible leaders in the Bible, uh, who gave up their spaces and their places to see the gospel live, um, we want to help you do that in your context. Whether you're a real estate agent, whether you own a company, whether you manage a company or whatever it may be, uh, we believe the Inspire Collective will be able to come alongside and help pastor and churches develop that further in a practical way. I love it. I love it. I think what you're saying is it, it resonates a lot with me because I believe 
strongly that the church should be at the center of everything that's happening in our culture and in our yep. community, connected to and facilitating and, and allowing the Lord to, to reach more because we're helping, we're serving. This yep. has been great, Adam. I, I, I'd love to take a moment, but before you give us uh, maybe just a final thought for all the leaders' hearts, um, how can people connect with you if they want to just kind of learn a little bit more about what you're doing, what you're involved with, yep. or just maybe even lean into you? How can they do yeah. that? So our church is called Abundant Living Family Church. So our website for our church is alfc.faith. And um, uh, my website is adammesa.org. Uh, and um, uh, you can connect with me on social media. Uh, Instagram is adamesa or amesa. But like I said, one of the biggest things we've pivoted is our long form podcast. So our long form podcast is on everything. So you can visit our long form podcast. It's called Beyond the Letter. It was inspired by Second Corinthians, Paul's words, telling the church that they, they, their lives are the letter written on his heart or on the hearts of people. And so Beyond That's the good. Letter, Beyond the Letter uh, takes the scriptures but lives beyond and, it, and it, 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 it talks about life. We talk about culture. We talk about faith. So on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, everything, it's beyond the letter or beyond.faith is our website. And uh, that is where we have put a lot of energy to um, in terms of leading the next generation. We really want to see Gen Z and we really want to see Gen Alpha be reached for the gospel of Jesus. And so beyond the letter is our efforts uh, to be the front door to faith for many unbelievers. And so um, that's, that's really where we're putting a lot of our work in and, uh, and then our church abundant living family church. Yeah, that's good. Everybody stay connected to pastor Adam and uh, beyond the letter podcast, abundant living family center. Let me, let me also just mention the avail journal. This is another resource. We plug every yes. avail episode. <laughs> this is our leadership, our leadership magazine, man. This just got great, great content from great leaders, men, women, uh, white, black, Hispanic, and all over the world. Sam Chan from India, everybody. I mean, it's just uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic, beautiful, beautiful leadership magazine. If you don't get it, the first year's on us. We want to give you the first four issues on us. Go to availjournal.com, tap into it. Having leadership resources is always a help, right, Adam? Yes, absolutely. We have our avail journals all over our campus at church all the time. <laughs> They're <laughs> hey, in why our don't we finish off? I agree. I agree. It's they actually look good. They feel good, and you don't want oh, to throw yeah. them away because they, they're really nice. Um, how can we finish off? What, what What do you want to leave on all the leaders' hearts? Um, I, I think the biggest thing is, and I, this is what I get asked the most. I, I think engaging these next leaders because your average workforce that's coming in is Gen Z. That that is the largest workforce that has come in recent years, and I mm. would say is when you're looking to engage. Um, this generation, uh, this next generation coming up is, is look to involve them as much as possible. They oh. are beyond gifted. I know we always criticize the younger generation because we don't understand. So I remember growing up the millennial generation. I mean, I'd go to stuff and we were just dogged on all the time. Like millennials are this, millennial <laughs> that. And then, uh, and then, and then, you know, now I go to stuff and I hear Gen Z, right? They're so emotional. They're so this, but actually as you lean into it, um, they are such a gifted and talented generation. They can edit videos on their phone. They can edit podcasts on their iPads. They can, I mean, they can build websites in 20 minutes or less. I mean, this is such a gifted generation. And so just make sure if, especially like you said, at one point talking about there may be older pastors listening to this. 
yeah. start start developing and start releasing to this next generation. So whatever you're looking to do next, get a room of 19 year olds, 21 year olds, 23 year olds and be like, hey, I don't understand TikTok, but but I'll let you guys put me on TikTok or we'll do whatever we got. You know, if you really want to engage people today, you gotta be in the systems and the modals that they are in. And so grab this next generation, our podcast, is completely ran, edited, all the content is gathered by people who are under 23 years old. Uh, so whenever people listen to our new podcast beyond that, they go, man, it really reaches my, people tell me all the time, my, my kids that are 18 and 19, they watch your podcast, I, they don't watch anything. And really the answer <laughs> is because the ones who produce it are your kids age. So that's why yeah. we're able to read. I'm 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 cl close to my mid 30s. So so I'm even starting to get old now. So so to me, it's like I gotta get in the room with 21 year olds and 20 year olds and be like, how do I how do I reach you guys? How, what do I so so really release responsibility, but also have a covering. But release responsibility and give this next generation a voice. And I'll tell you, you'll start to reach your your vision, your goals, and dreams by engaging that next generation. Yeah, that's a good word. Hey, everybody, you heard it here on the Avail podcast. What an awesome, awesome episode here, Pastor Adam. Uh, just want to say on behalf of the Avail team, uh, Dr. Sam Chand, Martin Van Tilborg, all of us, we just bless your life. We honor you and thank we thank you. you for your leadership. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Yes, sir. Hey, everybody. I hope you hope this com uh, enjoyed this conversation with Pastor Adam Mesa. What a great, insightful conversation. Just talking leadership and culture and young generations. Uh, I hope this added value to you. Uh, that's our heart here at Avail. We want to help you in the art of leadership. We want to help you continue to grow. Remember, a new episode pops out every week. On behalf of Avail, my name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, your host for the Avail podcast. We'll catch you next time right here on the Avail Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail Podcast with Adam Mesa. You can find more about Adam by going to adammesa.org. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail Podcast host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.